Welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host, KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you will enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. I'm Sebastian. Um, I'm from Argentina. I started with uh, 3D um, roughly a year ago, back in July. I saw, I mean, one one of your courses, the basic one. I started with that. I loved it and continued to to progress with uh, 3D. For me, it's actually a hobby. I don't work um, in the th- in the 3D industry. I mean, work in the software industry, but 3D for me is just a hobby. So I started with that. Started some uh, modeling, and then, I mean, for let's say a, a couple of months now, I'm focusing mostly on on sculpting. Yeah, I've seen a lot of your sculptures on the the Blender course Facebook group, and I was like, I gotta get you on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I wanna, since you say it's a hobby, when did you start doing the three D modeling? I started in July uh, last year. July um, last year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it all started when I took a, a gap year at work. Um, I started with traditional drawing, started learning some of that. I mean, I wanted to have some uh, artistic outlet, a visual artistic outlet. So I started with traditional drawing. Then I saw that it wasn't progressing really fast. Um, so then I tried, okay, what about 3D? So then I started, I saw, I mean, I started researching. I saw that Blender was free. So I, I installed it, played it a bit, and then I started looking for proper training for that. And it has been a game changer, right? I mean, I'm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's great for for expression. Uh, I mean, it all started for me like with the traditional modeling that everyone does, all those things. And then I was uh, I'm already I'm kind of transitioning into being able to kind of use it uh, as a as an artistic approach, just rather than modeling uh, from the technical part uh, alone. Okay. How is your like study practice like? Do you do it in early in the day, middle of the day? Do you do it all day? What's it like? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I work full time, so I, it's always after work on the weekends. So um, I finish my uh, my work day, and it's also, I mean, it, it's work. It, it's it's great for motivation, right? Knowing that I'll finish my usual uh, work day, and I'll be able to come and practice with that. So what I usually do is that I practice um, during the evening after after work and full on weekends and what i do is try i try to mix like purely stu- studying and learning practicing things with uh, i try to throw in between like small little projects just to get something from beginning to end otherwise if you keep practicing and practicing on i mean it's hard to get yourself motivated so yeah that is more or less i mean i i get uh, some i mean I get training, I watch that, I watch tutorials, um, learn, practice with that, and then I try to apply all of that in small uh, little projects. I like what you said about you won't have the motivation to do it like all the time. Cause like I've seen, I've, I've done that before where I try to do a project all the time. And it's just like, after a while, I'm like, I want to do this, but now I feel like I'm for- forcing <laughs> myself instead of like enjoying it. And then if I take a break, I'm like, oh wow, I love this. And this is easier for me to understand. So that, that hits on the head. Now, how do you decide your small projects? Like, how do you know, like, oh, this is what I want to do? You just pick something and do it? Um, actually, it's a mix of two things. I mean, on the one hand, I I have a list in which I think, okay, it would be great to do this. So I have a few ideas and then I separate them. I mean, whether they are just a, like, a, let's say, a base sculpt uh, compared to like a realistic uh, sculpt. So I separate them. So I start listing things in there. And then at the same time, sometimes I just uh, see something, right? Right now I'm working, for instance, in, in a photo that I saw uh, in Twitter. I mean, it was it has a skull, which was of a warrior with a mail chain, and it's all rusty. So it's some, someone found like the like a note. Um, they, they, they unburied that. Uh, in that, so I saw that picture in in a Twitter account about history that I follow, and I say, hey, I mean, it, it's really, I mean, it's really inspiring. It tells a story, right? A, a skull with a mail chain or rusty that you start wondering where that warrior 
died, how how he died. I mean, did he die in battle? Was he buried with that? So I saw that in Twitter, and then I said, okay, I want to do this. And then it depends, right? If I see that's what what I want to do, I mean, kind of is closer to my current skills, I go for it. But some other things, I, I write them down because maybe, I mean, for instance, I, I haven't sculpted yet like a full body. So anything that is about that, I'm just putting it uh, in the to-do list. But yeah, the other things, I mean, I have either the list, so I want to do something, I will go to the list. Otherwise, if something uh, comes along the way, I start working on that. So when you said that you started last year in July, did you start with the game design TV courses or was it another course? No, no, I started with, with one of your courses. I mean, it's the, the one that has the dinosaur. I mean the low yeah, quality. Blender complete, yeah, course. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great one. I mean, um, the other day I was thinking that how how great of a foundation it actually laid for me, because some of the things even when I learn more and I'm doing more advanced stuff. I mean, the foundation that it gave me. I mean, the way that it goes into detail and explains everything. Um, for instance, when I had to tweak some lights and shadows in in Eevee, uh, pretty much all, all the knowledge that I got was was from uh, from that uh, course. So uh, yeah, I started with that one, and then I got a few others. Uh, yep, started doing more and more, but that one was my starting point. How did you find um, game dev? Like, where were you doing lots of research on courses, or how did you how did how did you find out about? I found it through Udemy. Um, I, I went there, I mean, when I said, okay, I I mean, I, I want to go for something that even if I had to pay, that is well-structured where I can learn. So I start, I knew about Udemy. I mean, I haven't uh, taken any training before, so I said, why not? I mean, let's give it a try. I found this one, I started reading ratings and comments and so on. So I said, okay, I mean, I read the content and I said, yeah, this, this one seems to, to fit the bill. I went for it and yeah, I'm totally satisfied. But yeah, it was, I knew about Udemy and I wanted to, uh, and I found it there. Awesome. Did you take any of the other uh, Blender courses that we offer? I also took the one that is about environment. I did a bit of that. However, I mean, I didn't advance that much because at some point, I mean, initially you know how it is, right? You start doing a lot of everything all over the place. So then I decided, yes, I will try to concentrate on some specific things like um, sculpting. So, but yeah, I got that one. I got a few things. And sometimes when I have to do some projects that have some environment, like for instance, uh, sometimes I participate in challenges uh, yeah, what I've learned in there when it comes to environment, it, it actually works. But yeah, that one, um, I, I'm i kind of uh, postponing that for when I'm done with the sculpting and I want to advance to uh, environment. What are you currently working on now? Uh, right now, I mean, I'm working on that project that I mentioned about the skull, the, the warrior skull with the chainmail mm -hmm. was found in there. I'm working on that because I, uh, these last days I've been mostly studying anatomy. I mean, like full body anatomy. Um, I've been uh, taking some courses that they, I mean, it's about just anatomy. You don't actually sculpt anything. You just learn about muscles and bones. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to take a break from that or throw in some project in, in the middle. And that's when I, I started working on that skull. So I also have like, after I finish that, I may try to use the skull, the skull that I already sculpted, to do Skeletor, like the, the evil character from the He-Man series. So I may try to do that one because I haven't done like a comic, that kind of uh, character yet. So I may try to, to I, I may try that since I already have a skull. Okay. Yeah, I don't think Kevin got the reference. Uh, he's too young for He-Man. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? Who's He-Man? See, I didn't... Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a cartoon from when I was a kid. Uh, uh, I think uh, from the 80s, I, I guess. Yeah. Played yeah. in the early 90s as well. Uh, it was actually in the early 80s, because I, I remember being, a, being a, a kid and watching that. So He-Man was like 
this uh, big fellow and uh, fought. Uh, he was uh, the typical. Uh, oh my god, the kids that don't remember <laughs> He Man, right? <laughs> I'm millennial. <laughs> my bad, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was watching Yu Gi Oh! <laughs> yes. Yeah. At, at least you yeah, may. What's Yu Gi Oh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You may. You may get acquainted with some of that. If I end up uh, doing Skeletor, I will post it, so you may be able to see it. Okay. Just there we go. Skeletor um, appears in like this particular car insurance advert in the UK. It's really weird. It's really, really weird. Like full size, like a man in a suit. It's really strange. <laughs> I don't know where they got the rights to it, but that's where we see him here. It's really strange. Have we lost yeah. him? I think we might have no, lost I'm, him. No, I'm oh, here. Sorry. I'm, I'm around, yeah. yeah. And, and there's a meme with him as well. Uh, oh, what, what's... Yeah. It's with him, right? Yeah, probably laughing. Yeah, what's the name of the song playing there? What? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. That one. <laughs> From that yeah, 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 yeah. I know that one. I love the internet. Uh, but... <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but so... Uh, a question I have is like, how did you arrive in in uh, well, you you said you started trying to do traditional drawing, right? But uh, how did you get there? Like, uh, do you have some background? Like, did you do it as a kid, or just something you felt like doing last year? Um, actually, I mean, I, I never draw and uh, done since I was a kid. Well, I mean, it was actually a teenager was uh, writing. So I, I already got like that artistic outlet. So yeah, as I mentioned before, 3D for me is, is just a, an artistic outlet. So I got that, but then, I mean, anything that was visual, I mean, I never took the time. It was never my thing. So uh, two years ago, I decided to take a break from work. I took a year off. So my goal for that year off um, initially was to write and to travel, but then I said, okay, I. Now that I won't be working and I have my full time to dedicate to this and I have all the energy, then I said, okay, yeah, um, I, I tried learning how to draw. Um, so I started, I mean, I bought a book, I started drawing, I got some, I got some progress, but in the, I mean, what was the, the biggest drawback for me is that if you're drawing, you you need like a space for drawing, right? You need uh, good lighting, and you need to be comfortable, and you need some and in like less interruptions and so on, right? So that for me was harder when I got back to work. So then I said, okay, well, what's the alternative? Then I, I mean, I knew about 3D modeling. I mean, back in the days, I heard about 3D Max, even if I haven't tried it. Then I said, okay. What I mean with this, I will be able to do it. Uh, I mean, in any place of the house. I mean, I just need my laptop. I can carry it over. I don't need like a specific place. It would be easier. So then I started looking into, I mean, works of people um, like 3D models, and that's that was the click for me. I said, okay, yeah, uh, I could be doing something like visually artistic um, with this tool. And then I started learning and I saw that my progress for um, with 3D was way faster than my progress with traditional drawing, right? Uh, I mean, I've, uh, I act, I mean, my career, I work in, in the software industry. I started uh, programming when I was 10 years old. So anything that uh, is about computers is, is easy for me. So then, I mean, it wasn't that easy to start using Blender, learning uh, shortcuts and all the stuff. So, yep, I mean, I ended up kind of initially replacing traditional drawing, and then I got totally uh, into it. Um, yep, I, I, I still, um, I'm still doing it, and I want to keep progressing with it. Yeah, uh, it's funny because I got to GameDev.TV in a similar way. I was also taking a, a year off work. Well, for different reasons, I was waiting for a work permit. <laughs> And well, I got bored of doing nothing, and well, might as well study game development, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I actually, uh, when I was a teenager, I started writing some games in uh, Quick Basic. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's really, really old. 
I know. I mean, I know, has- there, my first game was written in GW Basic on DOS two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, I actually my my first one game was in DOS and it was yep. in Basic. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, kind of. Uh, it was like a two D. I actually got. I don't know if you remember. You got Nibbles. It was it was the snakes games in uh, two snakes follow each other. So I got pretty much the logic of that, and I replaced that with uh, an actual uh, graphic interface. So I replaced the snake with uh, planes uh, uh, that were fighting each other and following and shooting stuff. So so yeah, I got like like that. But I mean, now when I started with 3D, I didn't consider gaming because I mean, what I want this to be is, as I mentioned, like a hobby and an artistic. So I know myself if I get into game development and all those things, I mean, it will become closer to to work. So yeah, I try to abstract myself from the technical part and coding uh, from that. So um, even not so much because I wrote like a little scripts in Python for Blender. Uh, Yeah, mostly it's like an artistic thing. Um, Yeah, nothing technical. Do you find that it's useful to to work on those creative things when it comes to your your formal work? Um, like kind of distracting your mind from what you do regularly, right? Yeah, 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 it works that way. It's a great uh, way of unwinding, mostly. I mean, something completely different. I mean, my current job is I mean, I work as part of a support team for an enterprise uh, software uh, company. So the kind of things, I mean. Hey, me too. Oh, really? Yeah, currently I'm, I mean, work-wise, I'm um, I'm working on a few things related to AI. Um, So yeah, when I come here, I mean, something completely different. It's not technical. I mean, so it helps me to completely I mean, unwind uh, and yeah, and relax. And I also think that it may it helps um, exercise my brain, right? Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, all the time with technical and logical things. I mean, it's pretty much you develop like a certain part of your brain. Um, with this other one, I'm realizing that sometimes now I'm talking with someone and, I, and I'm kind of analyzing their head structure, what are the bony landmarks and those things, uh, and it kind of develops a completely different area of my brain, which <laughs> is healthy, right? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I kind of feel the same way a little bit. Um, a lot of the stuff that I do deals with uh, enterprise resource planning systems. And so it's like supply chain stuff and all of that kind of stuff. And I find when I sit down at a restaurant, I like I sit there and I imagine like, I don't know if you've heard of the restaurant Red Robin, but uh, they have bottomless fries as their big thing. It's American restaurant, hamburger place. Um, and, and it was always whenever I'd sit down there, I'd think, how do they manage their potato supply chain? <laughs> this entire business. <laughs> French fries, bottomless French fries to every restaurant around the country, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you start to apply work Rose stuff in. to recreation. And, you know, it's, it's nice that the same thing is true. Recreation being applied to work stuff. It helps, like, it, yeah. you know, enhance that creativity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, luckily for me, I mean, I tend not to uh, really, I mean, project things from work in when I'm in, in my time off. Um, yeah, otherwise, I mean, it's it would be unbearable. So, I mean, it kind of helped me to um, develop on, on this hobby. I mean, it's something that I take in with quite a passion. I mean, I dedicate a, a lot of hours. I put a lot of hours into into 3D learning and trying things. So so yeah. I mean, it, it really helps. And I don't. The great thing is, I don't feel. I don't feel it as an effort. It is fun. So it's great that I, how different it is from actual work. Now, how did you? How you and Aaron? How did you guys get started programming so young? Um, yeah. In my case, actually, we have like four or five computers at my primary school. So, I mean, it was optional, uh, an optional class that you could take. I mean, my parents, I mean, sent me there just to get acquainted with something different. Um, Back then when I was a kid, 
pretty much, I mean, it was really, it seldom someone would have a computer uh, at mm -hmm. home. So we're talking about um, like the 80s, 86, 87, when I started um, programming. So I got there, I, I went to school, I took classes. We, the, we were using Logo, like the little- I loved Logo. <laughs> Yeah. Logo is What's great. logo? Yeah. It's a little turtle program. You 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 make procedural art using it. You could do things like move forward ten pixels, turn right fifteen degrees. You know, drop the pen, turn left, draw up. You know, it's you just basically you wrote like little logical code snippets, and it was like almost like programming a spirograph. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah. That's sick. yeah. And it's great for, for teaching uh, kids, right? Because, I mean, if you throw them basic or like any procedural language, I mean, it, it will be harder. So with this, you are just writing code like uh, Go90. So this little triangle that represents a turtle will advance like 90 pixels. And then you say, uh, turn right 90. So it will turn in a, rect in a, in a rectangle. So, yep, I started with that. Then, but I mean... When I was 13, I mean, after my parents saw that I really liked it, I got my first uh, PC. So with that, I started, I mean, learning how to code, started programming, and yeah, study um, systems engineering. And yeah, well, they started everything about about computers uh, with that. But yeah, the first approach was like that at school, and just out of curiosity, and it pretty much clicked for me. A pretty similar story to mine. My dad worked for the government in the electronics departments, and uh, uh, my first PC was actually an IBM PC, um, the XT model, which was their like second version of it. Um, and uh, my dad bought one uh, off of a government refresh, so it was used, but you know that meant that it didn't cost five thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think my dad could have afforded back then, but uh, yeah, and I, you know, same deal. I mean, back then the computers didn't really do much. You know, you could draw in four colors on the screen if you were really lucky and had a CGA adapter. Yeah, um, <laughs> you could get sixteen colors out of text, and then that was about it. So I mean, if you wanted to do anything fun, everybody back then was writing games, and it was usually like you know people like Richard Garriott writing you know the original Ultima games just in his garage with you know maybe one other friend. You know, I mean, my my cousin Michael was the same deal. He worked on like Bart's Tale and Wasteland, you know, the original ones and stuff like that. And it was just small groups of like five or six guys that would get together and do this stuff as a hobby, because because there weren't you know game studios there and there weren't yeah. like that right yeah wow yeah I, mean, I i actually had my first uh, pc that that i owned that my father gave me was uh, an 80 uh it was a two a 286 and the first game that i was blown away by uh, was the prince of persia the original one in 2d so yeah, I mean, when I saw that, I mean, I couldn't believe that it has such such a flow in that, and it has, I mean, just monochromatic colors because I didn't have uh, a BGA or, or a CGA. So yeah, I mean, that that was the first, and it was it was great. It was completely back then. What was great is that you did, I mean, you didn't have like a great uh, or powerful computers to do a lot of uh, realistic graphics. So everything was about the gameplay. So a game had to be fun. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was really fun. Did you make any small games when you were younger? Uh, yeah, no, just just a few things uh, for myself, like that one that I mentioned about planes chasing each other. I mean, I made one that just to practice and learn how to use a mouse because back then, I mean, you even had to install a, a board. In, into the PC to actually have a connection for your mouse. <laughs> so um, I I wanted to practice that, so I made something like little flies will appear on screen and you had to move the mouse to just to kill them. So yeah, everything was just actually for, for fun. The only thing that I got other people playing was uh, a race horse betting game that I've done. Um, it wasn't actually horses, it was Everything was um, text, so the horses yeah. were actually first. 
So I created like uh, an algorithm that will assign to a certain horse. Um, I mean, it will be faster than the rest. So I mean, after I mean, and I will randomize the steps that each uh, horse will take. So in the end, there was a horse that, in the long run, won more than the other. So I got with friends and we played. We did some betting. This is the game allowed you to do some betting in game. So we played with that just. Just us, so yeah, it wasn't actually real money, but it was the only game that I played with other people. So. <laughs> That's awesome. I love those type of games because I'll play that with my friends in GTA Online. We'll go to the <laughs> casino and just bet money on the horse game. I wonder yeah. if they uh, it was just, took inspiration. Yeah. This one was just text. It was just a few numbers moving from the left to the right. Uh, each number represented horse, but it was fun enough for us to keep us entertained for, for a couple of hours. My my dad's favorite game back then was an air traffic controller game that was all text. It had a grid of like, you know, eight by eight icons on it for each of the different planes. And basically the entire interaction of the uh, of the game was just issuing commands to the planes to tell them to like gain or lose altitude and, you know, change course to get into the flight path and all of that kind of stuff. But I mean it was a fun game. It didn't matter that it was just text on the screen. The game was fun. <laughs> uh, you know, when, when you mentioned that, Sebastian, that actually kind of reminded me of something because I had always said the same thing. I played EverQuest for many, many years, and people, you know, they'd look over my shoulder when I was playing it, you know, friends come over or something, and it was you know, running in the background, and they're like, wow, that looks really crappy. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a really fun game. You don't understand. <laughs> Who cares what it looks like? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Today is pretty much. I mean, games are kind of competing about which one looks more realistic, and sometimes they they have no substance, and the mm. gameplay is, is meh, right? So back then, I mean, they didn't have that option, so everything was about making the 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 game is fun, right? I mean, it's it's like I mean playing cards with your friends, right? I mean, cards is not complex. It's just uh, I mean, it's just fun. So yeah, I mean. Uh, hopefully, the, the gaming industry will pay more attention to that because, in the long run, I mean, the best games, even today, are the ones that are more fun, not the ones that have the best uh, graphics or or those things. Yeah, I, I think it it was worse before. I think it started getting way better, like after Minecraft or so. It's <laughs> like Minecraft was and and still is so big, and it's just cubes yeah but it's what yeah. you do with those cubes that makes it fun yeah exactly and like that made com big companies realize like oh we don't need to invest five bajillion dollars in graphics we can have good graphics and a good game like gta 5 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so good and looks so good as well yeah what uh, well, actually i mean just um a bit of, of a side story, something that is similar uh, to what we were talking before is that now when I'm playing a game, uh, sometimes I'm, I'm observing, hey, that is a normal map, that is not actual geometry. So sometimes it, it's a bit of a bother to actually have learned a few things about that. So you start saying, okay, the frame rate dropped there, or yeah, that, those, that, that collision is not that good. So yeah, I mean, it's it spoiled that slightly. But I mean, learning about that. So, yeah, but that's why I mean, I'm I'm not really interested into games because you kind of lose the the magic that is happening uh, there for you. I mean, my brother, I mean, one of my brothers uh, plays the guitar. I mean, he's a musician. So, um, so something that he shared once was that now with. I mean, sometimes he. I mean, most of the time he's not actually uh, listening a song. But rather, but rather identify notes and rhythms and all those things. So kind of, he he observes what is the mechanism or the structure behind the song or music instead of listening the whole music. So yeah, hopefully I want to get get much into more into game development and those things and lose that magic, right? No, yeah, that, that is a big one. That once you start to see things, you go. It either can make you lose the magic, or sometimes I feel like it can make you appreciate things more, or make you more curious to want to know how they did it, how it works, and 
yeah. secrets they have, yeah. Yeah, actually, you, you got the point there. I think that, that is both, right? I mean, I guess when the game is either old or crappy, you start observing uh, those things like, hey, this normal map is crappy and those things. Yeah. But other times when you see things like Red Dead Redemption 2, you say, I mean, how how do you do? How do you have that global lightning uh, lighting, or how do you achieve those, those effects uh, and still mm -hmm. perform properly? So, yeah, yeah, that's that's some big stuff. Those games got tons of money and tons of tons of people working on it for years. Could you imagine trying to attempt on your own? It's like, like we say, don't make WoW, don't make GTA, <laughs> don't make Red Dead. Yeah, I, I guess just making uh, just a short animation of a single character will take you years, maybe just one. So yeah, yeah. unless you do. So one of my friends who was on the podcast, his name was, his name was Matt Bamande. He basically he was like, I want to make my own movie in Unreal. So he just like hired a bunch of people, gave them like trash bags, put them like a safety helmet on, and like took aluminum like um, clothes clothing hangers. And just like twisted it together, made a go, put a GoPro in front of his own mo caption suit, and just had people do animations for him so that he can put it into the movie and make it look realistic and all this stuff. And I was like, that's, uh, that's some ingenuity. That's that's amazing. So he he took down some uh, months, but still, it's taken him a long time to get it all together and make it look really beautiful and good, like an actual like animated movie. But still, it's 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 crazy what you can do with some creativity. Yeah, I, I did. Did he finish that? He's almost done. He said he's gonna send me the uh, the the end of it soon. He sent me the last trailer like a couple weeks ago, so he's he's working hard on it. I can't wait to see it. I've been I've been excited, but he's been working on it since I don't know when. But January is when I found out about it, and January is when he was still in like deep production. So we'll see. We'll see when it comes out. Probably by the end of this year. Yeah, that that's something really to admire having that that passion because it, it will take a lot of dedication to actually do that. I mean. You may have a lot of passion and then start like small things and then it's like you fail fast, right? When you're mm. working for such a long time into just one thing, it really requires a lot, a lot of uh, determination. Yeah, that's fact. I, what would you say to people trying to do, let's say a Blender project for a long time, like if they wanted to create mm, the Statue of Liberty very detailed, what advice would you give them? Start, start small, right? I mean, mm. If if I had to do something like that, I would kind of create like a small version version of it. I mean, start with concepting, um, and because that, that is the most important thing, right? To visualize the end the end goal as soon as possible, right? So start concepting with basic things. I mean, uh, start from the general things and start drilling and going down to the details. So concepting, creating like a small version of the statue. I mean, maybe the Staten Island and a few like like a simple block out, work with the concept, play a bit with the composition, try to, to see. I mean, it's really, um, it's, it's something that I do even with small projects. Uh, um, I try to visualize exactly where I, where I need to go. I don't have the drawing uh, skills because I interrupted that to kind of uh, draw a concept. So mm -hmm. I try to block out things in, in Blender, um, have an idea, play a bit with the camera, the angles, and and those and those things. Um, yes, try to visualize. Uh, will this work? Because the worst thing that may happen is that you start, let's say, with a statue, you sculpt a really nice face, and then you, it takes you a lot of time. It takes you a lot of time to come up with a full statue. Then you don't know where to actually place it. Uh, and mm. then you realize that maybe the angle is not great. Maybe you spent a lot of time in the face and the camera is looking up from too, too afar, right? So you don't see anything of that you spend time. So it, to me, I mean, it's really important that, right? Create quick concepts, something and visual uh, that will give you like a north uh, to go. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what helps me, I mean, in there I, I get help from my actual career, right? In software development, um, I started with more traditional methods and then, then I actually got into agile methodologies, right? So in there, instead of spending a lot of time uh, developing like a project or a product or a feature, 
you start coding a small bit, right? Because if you spend a lot of time writing code and then you're either too late or you get people, it's not what people actually expected, right? So you want to get feedback as soon as possible and then you refine and refine and refine. So having that mindset and that experience in development, in development actually helped me to with uh, these little projects. Because in the end, it's like project management, right? So I do small thing, I do a concept, and then I iterate and refine over it. And then if I don't like it, then I can drop it without spending too much time or feeling too frustrated. Because I mean, I realized sooner rather than later that it won't work. No, that's great advice. Do you look at something while you're creating a Blender project, or do you do it from your head, like from a visual library? Um, is it's both i mean sometimes i mean like i mentioned that's call of a warrior that's something that i actually saw so i'm trying kind of reproduce that exactly as i saw it so i use that as a reference i use the same position i mean I, and the composition i use the same but sometimes um i uh for instance i recently well not so recent but a few weeks ago I I uploaded to Facebook the scout of a horns man. Um, so for that that came completely from my head. So what I wanted to do kind of get I mean a man with horns. I mean not so suggest like a typical demon, uh, but like a man with horns. And for that I started uh, I imagined it. So what I've done is like a quick and dirty sculpt, I mean, just awful topology. I mean, I, I didn't care about that, so I put it in place. So then I started moving and posing him and playing with the lights and, and the composition and everything. So once I was, was happy with that, I started with the actual uh, sculpt. So when, I mean, basically it's that, when I try to reproduce something, I have the reference. So I'm guiding myself by that. When I have something in my head, I just, I mean, since I don't draw, actually draw the content, I go for like a quick, quick uh, block out, see how it goes. And then if I like it, I go, I go forward. Otherwise I modify it or drop it if, if it actually does. I don't think that it, it will actually work. So um, mm -hmm. this is something that, that I've learned, um, that I've learned from, from tutorials and reading about. Um, about blocking out, right? You do first the block out, you understand the forms and shapes in a general form uh, from a composition standpoint. And once you get that, then you move into refining over and over. So um, again, I can draw a parallel with software development, right? I mean, you don't start writing like a line of code and build all over that line of code. So we start writing like what is called interfaces and you see how they play with each other. And then after you got that, you start developing one by one or a few bits and refine that. So it's pretty much the same approach. For visual libraries, do you do you practice like drawing or creating different things that way you can then make it on your own? Or do you kind of just already know what you've seen in your life, I guess, and then just recreate it? Um, mostly, I mean, mostly at this point, I'm trying to reproduce things that, I, that already exist. Um, I, I'm trying not to try to come up with uh, creatures and those things because um, I think that that requires a different set of skills that need to be developed and honed and studied, right? So uh, if I start trying to, let's say, do some concept art, mm -hmm. that would uh, deviate my focus from actually applying things. So at this point, I mean, I do like small compositions but of things that already exist, like that horned man is is not something that really is not something uh, that wasn't seen before. It's just like, uh, yeah, a man with horns. So yeah, I mean, I may try to, to do uh, that in the future, but I mean, I'm not really thinking about that. Uh, let's say for the next stage of of my progress, what I would like to do is I really love Norse uh, mythology. So mm -hmm. what I would like to do is like sculptures based on that. I mean, there are 
scenes from Ragnarok, like the real Ragnarok, now the Avengers movie uh, from Norse mythology, <laughs> that there are a lot of fights and those things. So I would like to kind of sculpt um, like that. I mean, pretty much like traditional scul uh, sculptors did with uh, Greek and Roman mythology. I would like to do similar things with the Norse uh, myth. So for that, already, I mean, I have a, I have a lot of books um, about that. So everything is already laid out and imagined for me. So I would really need to put that in, into sculpture form. When you finished the complete Blender course, did you go straight to making your own projects or did you do other courses? I did throughout the, the course. So um, something that I try to do with every course that I take is that follow along whatever you're doing in there and then do something similar on my own um, to, uh, to actually make sure that I understand because anyone can actually follow steps, but then you actually learn when you put those steps into practice. So I will either, I mean, I will do all the challenges that were in the course, but then after a, a unit, for instance, you have the, um, the, um, Mayan, the, the Mayan pyramid that you do in there. Mm -hmm. So I did it. Okay, great. So then the next thing that I've done is like a monument that we have here at my home city that is really blocky. So what I've done is to actually uh, do that. I mean, trying to apply the same things uh, like edge loops and mod uh, modifiers and those things to apply the same thing into, into that. But I mean, I, I think that true, actually, true learning comes when you do something on your own, trying to apply what you actually learn. When you do good. I said that's very true. Yeah, when you actually take it out of the classroom, so to speak. Lot yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's, I mean, that's where I actually, I mean, it, looks, it also works for me to make sure that I understood everything or if I need to go back and, and rewatch specific parts, right? So I, maybe I say, okay, I don't know how to actually do this. I don't recall, so I go and watch it. So then you do it repeatedly and you actually learn and at some point you actually, um, you can do it without uh, without watching uh, the full tutorial or course. Now, did you feel? How long did it take you? Probably so that you the course would probably take what like maybe thirty hours. But how long did it take you for real? Was it like a couple months, a couple weeks? I would say um, it was between two and three months. Um, mm -hmm. I've done everything that is for two eight. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. I didn't take any of the modules that are about two seven because at that point I was really new. So right now I can actually watch something that is for an older version and understand how you do it. But back then I didn't want to get my head messed up. So um, so I actually took everything that is about two eight. So it took be yes between two and three months. I guess that. If I've done that when I was off work, um, because I did it when I was already back to work, it may it may take uh, less of a time. But yeah, sometimes uh, something that I've learned as well is that, um, for instance, when I'm sculpting, instead of binge sculpting, like t one day do like five hours or four of sculpting, it's better to spread that across different days. Um, for me, it's uh, it's easier for me to learn that because I I mean I stop and then the next day I keep a refresher of what I'm actually doing. I look at things with different eyes, so that that is something that also helps to I mean that contributes the time that it takes it takes me to actually complete the course. And so I I like what you said because you spread it out. So like you spend what maybe like three hours every day every or every other day. Um, yeah, it would be, I mean, I would say, I mean, I, I would try to spend some time every day, even if mm -hmm. it was half an hour. So I would say on average, it could be between one or two hours. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, yeah, instead of, for instance, on the weekend, right, I will have more time, but instead of packing like five or six hours across the whole uh, week, uh, whole weekend, maybe I will do 
two hours one day and two, two the next. Because I mean, it's how, I mean, brains are exactly like your muscles in your body, right? If you strain them, I mean, if you don't allow them to rest, <laughs> it stops uh, working as it should, right? So, um, yeah. so yeah, I try to, I mean, instead of I mean, going like full time, that's uh, try to, yes, try to allow some time, recovery time, because I can fresh and I can learn faster that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like the easiest way to give up on something, especially if you're learning something new, is to try to do too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you need that patience. <laughs> we yeah. all do to uh, to realize that it's going to take a while. So you know, do it slowly and short every day instead of doing it like ten hours every single day or just like once a week because you get burnt out for the rest of the week. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it actually, I mean, uh, it helped me, I mean, kind of have the same discipline that I, that I have for climbing. I mean, I, I I do ice climbing and rock climbing as well. And in there, I mean, even if I wanted, I, I couldn't climb like eight hours straight or train every day. So I had to spread that, allow my body to de- recover. And the next time that I actually climbing, I perform better. So uh, this is similar. Really interesting point. Yeah, sometimes just stepping away from something and letting kind of your subconscious like figure out the problems that you can't even consciously, you know, say. You need that recovery time. It's yeah, it's really useful. I loved those pictures of you ice climbing. By the way, that's just <laughs> such gorgeous scenery. Yeah, yeah. The 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 only bit is that due to the quarantine, um, I missed the ice climbing. Um, season here in Argentina, so we are locked in, so I couldn't ice climb now. But but yeah, I mean, watching with a new pair of, I mean, new, with fresh eyes is, uh, I have an example recently when I was cutting this call. Um, I thought, okay, oh, it looks great, right? I mean, then when I, uh, when I looked at it the next day, I realized that the eye sockets were extremely big and it didn't look right at all. So it's pretty much, <laughs> Since I was keep, I kept going over and over. I, I, I mean, I lost sight of that, right, of proportion. So I came the next. I stopped. I try. Sometimes I do that um, intentionally. I mean, even if I do have some time to keep working on Blender, I will stop just because, um, yeah, my eyes. I mean, are too used to what I'm doing, and I'm not realizing those mistakes. So I stop come uh, e- either later or the next day and realize about those mistakes. Yeah, as a developer, you probably ran into many situations where you spent an entire day trying to do something. doesn't work <laughs> when you're in bed. Oh, oh yeah, I could have just done this in five <laughs> minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> or the that's... shower, usually the shower. Yeah. yeah, you got it totally right. I mean, it actually happened. Uh, and then I had, I mean, I found that about myself. And then, I mean, um, in a previous role that I had at the same company, I had people in charge. I, I was running a team. So sometimes I will I need to go and tell some of of uh, some of some the people that, that has reported to me, just go home. I mean, now you may stay two hours. I mean, two hours uh, after the your work has finished, you will be tired and your brain circuit is going over and over the same uh, path. So you won't realize that. So come together afresh, sorry, come tomorrow afresh, and you realize that with a fresh mind, you will solve this that is taking you hours, you will solve it in minutes. So yeah, I guess that it applies the same to your eyes when you are working on something visual, right? Yeah, I, I even got to a point where I have to send myself emails so I don't forget to do how to do it for the next <laughs> day. Yeah, yeah, when, when I had to do the same with code, what I will do is just to take a note in the code itself, so it won't compile, so it won't allow me to move forward. Like, hey, this, <laughs> this is broken. When I try to compile, it doesn't work. Oh, yeah, right. That's genius. Because <laughs> usually <laughs> you just put a comment saying it doesn't work, but it still compiles if you yeah, like, exactly. made it where it can't compile. And then you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What happened? Oh, yeah, I... I gotta fix that. <laughs> Reminds me of a T-shirt I saw the other day that was something like the multiple stages of troubleshooting, and it was like, uh, well, "It works fine for me," and then, "Oh, maybe that doesn't work," and then, "Oh, there's the problem," and then, "How did that ever work in the first place?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happens yeah. sometimes. It's just like what? 
Like, you ever have where the program works, and then the next day you come to it, and it's just not working for some reason? I think it only happens to me in Unreal, because Unreal fights me a lot. But it's, it's, it's troubling. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I'm like, you were yeah, working yesterday. You were fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens. I mean, I have, a re, like, a real example of that happening. I mean, we were debugging some code. It wasn't working. And then, I mean, the next day, it was working magically. I mean, we didn't <laughs> change anything. And then we, after debugging the, I mean, troubleshooting that into a deeper level, we realized that the, I mean, it was Java, so the compiler was picking up files in a different order. I mean, class, I mean, share files, libraries in a different order. So one day it was picking in a certain order, it was the, the order wasn't guaranteed. So it would pick in one order, so it would work. The next day it would pick in another order, or maybe hours later in another order, and it won't work. So, yeah, <laughs> that is something actually happening. Yeah. It's the world of programming. Fun times. Yeah. Does it ever happen to you and Zoe, like with music, where something just kind of like sounded right, and then you came back the next day and didn't? Uh, <laughs> every single time I do something, that happens. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty common. You get like, um, like ear fatigue, so you'll be working on something for, for a number of hours, and then you'll just be like, I actually just can't even really hear what this is anymore. <laughs> and you and you can't like hear the, the sort of intricacies of it. So then what you do is you put your headphones down, like you do something else or like wake up the next morning and you can hear it fine. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. You just get overwhelmed. There's only so much like stimulus you can take. <laughs> yeah. Before it just doesn't, you just can't hear anything anymore. Yeah. I'm That's just, crazy. Mm -hmm. I wonder no. if there's ways to improve that without sleeping, like maybe I guess better health, maybe meditation, yoga. I don't know. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like if you're on a deadline, it's kind of hard because you're like, ah, oh, man, I need to like, I kind of need to <laughs> to do this now. Like yeah. I can't just have like a break. Um, yeah, you can like usually if you go into a quiet environment for a while and come back in, you're fine. And you've mm. sort of it's like you've un unclogged whatever the issue was. I don't know if you have a similar thing with your work um but yeah you just go somewhere completely different come back in and then it works fine yeah yeah i mean for me when i when i'm working i mean actually stress is actually the best trigger for me to actually solve a problem so mm -hmm. that's why i mean i'm trying to when it comes to 3d to operate completely completely different without pressure i mean um managing things more like more chilled more chilled um but yeah when it comes to work is that's what i was mentioning before right when i'm doing 3d my brain is working completely different it's like flowing uh, and nothing technical i mean i don't measure a lot of stuff that i would do if i if this was actually i mean that's a good thing if this was actually my job it would be a completely different experience for me i mean i would be more demanding of myself more detail oriented i mean it would be completely different so yeah being just a hobby i can just uh take a different approach because when it comes to work i mean it's different um i worked for software companies uh, um the stress stress is actually the norm you have deadlines you have paying customers that you need to solve the problem for so yeah it's completely stress is actually there is like a the actual engine behind everything, unlike what I'm doing at with 3D. Yeah, a little bit of fear is helpful. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Yeah. It, it does motivate, for sure. I remember there was like a TED talk where somebody said that uh, procrastinators are like the best, do like their best work at the last day, at the last minute. They just like, and not all, everyone, but like just some out of nowhere, like all that creative energy is just like, I got to do it. And then they produce like something that you were like, how did I get an A on that? I, I literally spent three hours on it. And then it stops compiling and you don't deliver. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, then the day of you, it worked last night and you wake up and you're like, all right, we're good, right? And it doesn't compile. And then, yeah, I, I guess <laughs> something that, that contributes is the difference, right? When you are, let's say, coding or troubleshooting, whatever is software, you you may use a creative approach you may use a, a creative mind but in the end it works or not right it's binary unlike creating art that 
I mean, it's subjective, right? I mean, when it comes to software, it's objective. Either the thing is working or it's not working. Art is completely different, right? You may spend a lot of time, you may think, that, hey, this is great, and then it's not. I mean, no one likes it. Or the other way around, you think it's something that is crap, but it actually some people actually like it. So, yeah, I mean, that, that is a good thing about, let's say, software. <laughs> you know, I mean, if it works, you actually know. I mean, there is no ambiguity in there. I mean, sometimes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone here already delivered a project where it was working well enough for now. <laughs> no, yeah. there's an entire methodology for that called MVP, which means minimum viable product. <laughs> yeah. uh, the MVP I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, no, most valuable player is not applicable here. When you're talking about software, MVP means just barely working, basically. <laughs> to be fair, it means more in terms of number of features, not quality of features. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. This is this is in order for us to continue to do whatever it is that we had been doing with our previous piece of software. These are the minimum viable keys, or you know, this is the minimum viable product, the minimum viable operational or functionality of the software to to continue to do that. Yeah, the key is the V. Viable, right, exactly. <laughs> I, I guess in, in that matter, I mean, it actually is working, but what may not be working is the design of it or the requirements that were gathered. Mm. But yeah, if you do it, if you <laughs> stick to the design, you can say, okay, yes, it's working exactly now. Yeah, it may not be what it actually people wanted there or what you were asking for, right? We've also started approaching uh, a lot of our projects a little differently these days. Um, you know, the truth of the matter is that it's relatively complicated to change software, right? I mean, you know, you got to have somebody understand what it is that they're trying to do and then try to code something that might do that and then take it back to the end user and see if that's what they wanted. And, and then you've got to have it tested and then integrated integration tested and regression tested and tested and tested and tested and finally accepted. And then you can finally get the product out to production. Whereas you could just tell a person, hey, do your job, job differently. I can program a person with my voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. But there is kind of a shifting in, I mean, it won't happen in the short time, but more and more uh, codeless development is yeah. being the norm. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, it won't happen overnight, but a few years from now, I mean, things in the software industry will look completely different. I'm I'm thinking by like 2050, I'll be able to program a computer with my voice. <laughs> I mean, there is uh, speech to text, you know. You technically can't. Yeah. <laughs> That's not quite so, the same thing as telling a computer like, I want you to create a voxel world simulation, <laughs> and then just have that happen, right? <laughs> I, you can tell your computer, I don't know, to clean the floor. <laughs> we're getting there we're getting there <laughs> it's like uh you know in, uh, in friends when monica dates that uh rich guy and he tells her like uh, oh we're building a computer that can recognize the human voice or something and you can be like oh cl uh, clean the ditches or something uh it will be able it might not be able to do it but it will understand you Showing it there, isn't it? A small challenge for TV students. I would say it's something that helped me. I mean, I'm already doing that now, but I did it the first time. Is pick a picture that tells you something, and try to reproduce it. I mean, try to reproduce mm -hmm. the same color, the same mood. I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, you don't have to model. It's not exact reproduction, but what? Just try to reproduce the same feeling and story that that picture is telling you. But picture, I, I mean, in a photo. I mean, uh, whether it's like a fallen, um, I mean, a fallen statue on a garden, or a sunset, or um, like a giant statue on top of a cliff. I mean, find a picture that actually tells you something, and mm -hmm. try to reproduce that picture to the best of your skills. I mean, awesome. you learn you learn a lot there. You learn about storytelling. You learn to plan something. You learn to block out and 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 get the same composition and so on. So it's a great learning experience.
No, that one's an excellent one because like when I did the blender uh, Brooklyn Bridge, I learned so much just from trying to recreate that. And so yeah, that's, that's a great challenge. And uh, we just want to say thank you for coming on. This was uh, this is amazing having you on talking about programming and modeling and your learning journey. And we want to uh, hand the mic to you to end it off to just do any shout outs or any inspirational quotes or anything that you want to end it off with. And uh, thanks for coming on. We hand the mic to you. Okay, uh, uh, thank you for, for having me. I mean, in the, this came really as a surprise. I started, uh, I mean, I started um, recently with all this. So it's really, I mean, encouraging and great that you will ask me to, to come here and share my, my experience. So yeah, I mean, thank you. Thank you for this. I mean, keep doing what, what you're actually doing. I mean, and this kind of, I mean, getting some people, I mean, that may not be really, I mean, um, professionals, um, in this in the industry to come and share this experience i think that that is a great uh a great call from you i mean it could be inspiring um we could inspire each other i mean a lot of times inspiration comes from your peers um sometimes more than the people that you look um look up to so it's great so i really appreciate uh, what you're doing and yeah keep up the, the good work well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all GameDev.TV courses at courses.gamedev.tv slash courses or in the show notes with a 10% discount. Get started with your game development journey today.